like to cabin to get to where he needed to be. Hey, it's been a rough road, Bob. But it's good we still walking Even though it's from a distance It's good we still talking Temptation or stupidity I will never comprehend Forbidden fruit that you desired Could have made us lose it Welcome to Straight Outta Gibraltar, bringing you interviews in all the best music from the Gibraltar music scene. If you like what we do, like us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash music. Hey guys, welcome to Straight Outta Gibraltar. It is the season premiere and the first one of 2019. We hope you've had a pleasant Christmas and a good start to the new year so far. And this week, quite honest with you, we've been actually buzzing to get this going, obviously because we actually had like a pretty, pretty, pretty much of a preview episode leading up. Obviously, we had the singer-songwriter, we actually had, had an interview with Christian uh, Celestia, and Phil Lins, who will be coming very soon with him over Easter, maybe even in the summer. But for now, we're going to go with the ones that we know, and the ones that have actually stuck around in Gibraltar and have actually done things in Gibraltar in the last year and a half or so, or even more than a year and a half, I dare say. So I'm going to introduce my guest, you know, I don't think really she needs much of an introduction anymore. But Leila Bujaja, welcome. Well, thank you for having me, I'm really happy to be here. It's very exciting for us to have you here, because it makes you the youngest guest we've ever had on the show, so really? it is quite exciting for us. I get that a lot here. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too much of a common theme at the moment in Interval, so too many young musicians about, and it's actually a very great thing to see so many young musicians in Gibraltar. and proof of that, which we'll get to later, was the singer songwriter, which was held two weeks ago as well. So later, um, more than anything else, what people are always, I think, more amazed by when they see you play is the fact that it's not just the fact that you actually go there and perform with such confidence, it's the fact that you've always had it around you. Like yeah. obviously your dad's a musician, your uncle's a musician, mm-hmm. even your grandfather's a musician on both sides as well, so yeah. tell us about that. Um, I think it was just a matter of time before I picked up an instrument or started singing. Like I think everyone saw it coming because I was always surrounded by music, even if it was with my dad, my uncle, both my grandpa, like you said, and um, your sister too, which yeah, I my sister as well, and my brother sings a lot around the house. And um, so yeah, I think everyone kind of expected it because from a very young age, I think I started singing when I could talk. Yeah. So it was just I never stopped. And you mentioned as well that the first time that you wrote, you were five, I believe, wasn't you? Yeah, five, I think. Yeah. yeah. So tell us about what, what goes through your mind at five years old to actually be able to write a song about? Honestly, I don't know. I think that was the song was called Fairy Sky, which you know explains how I was five when I wrote it. But um, I remember being so excited about it. I just remember the excitement of telling my dad that I wanted to write a song and I had a name for it. And then from there we did it together. And I remember we recorded it at home. And I told him, I'm like, look, I really want to record this, but it has to have Crazy Frog in it. So my dad had to get like the effect of Crazy Frog, and just to make me happy about it. Ah, the Crazy Frog phrase. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's one of life's biggest mistakes, Crazy Frog. But that's me being honest with my music taste. But anyway, it's a great thing. I mean, I think when you're five and being around it, I've been around a musical family myself, so I can actually relate. But when you're actually around it, sometimes it's very hard to capture the two 
why, like maybe like your uncle, for example, he did a lot of things with Mel Diesel, still present day with Saxi as well. And obviously your, your dad stayed put, and, but he, obviously the fact that your dad stayed put, and even your grandfather stayed put, in a time when the local music scene was very limited, there was a lot of movement, and with that movement comes to your dad meeting people like Chris Gavijan, who he looked up to growing up coincidentally as well. So it's stuff like that that becomes a circle of life, as I say. Yeah. I think it's really ironic how my dad always used to look up to Chris Gavijan, and then he ended up playing in a band with him, and now his daughter ended up playing in a band with him as well. Yeah. It's it's a very incredible feeling. I mean, I, I've always admired Chris because I've known him like pretty much for as long as I can remember. Obviously, due to Jade and obviously all the band members from Jade at the time, all being friends with my dad and everything else. And I just remember being awed watching Chris when I was very young. And it still happens today when I see him either either Chip Floyd or obviously the Lady Rose Band or anything else. It just always amazes me how much he's willing to get back to the local music scene, which we'll get back to when how the Lady Rose Band was, was formed as well. When you see, like, forget the, obviously the ones that stayed put, obviously your dad meeting the likes of Adrian, Chris, etc. But obviously, when you see that your uncle is out there living uh, the highlights and uh, uh, a big life, pretty much in Madrid, becoming famous in the process, the Mel Diesel got signed. Obviously, this was even before you were born as well, so you caught, you pretty much caught the end of Mel Diesel, the tail end of Mel Diesel. But what was it like even when you get when you got to learn how much your uncle did for music? Um. Like when I was younger, I don't I don't have any memories of him in Mel and Diesel, yeah. but I have memories of him in Taxi, and I remember them doing like quite a big gig in the stadium in yeah. the I was like by the basketball courts, and I remember feeling so cool that my uncle was on stage and he got me my own T-shirt, and that was like such a big deal for me seeing him performing and then hearing the stories um, later on in middle school and seeing Tand that we got taught about um, local music here in Gibraltar. And that was like really cool for me as well, hearing about all the stories about Red and Diesel and Taxi. And then I went back and asked him about it and he told me everything in detail. And it was, it was such, it was really inspiring hearing all of that and seeing how far people from Jib can get. It's going to sound very crazy and maybe to, to the listeners, but even when I see still Melon and Dylan Federal, or even I see your uncle, or I see Danny Farr, or I see anyone related to Melon Diesel, guy by Maid or Bosso or anybody, you know, I still get a bit like, Wow, you know, it's one of those things that will always stand with me. It's I listen. I'm not even exaggerating. I can always have melodies on in the background every day. There's always something about them, whether it's the treehouse stuff, the melodies and stuff, even the taxi stuff. I'm always going to have them around, like anything related to my life. And it shows you how inspiring, like you mentioned, that they were really because they were the band pretty much that were local, went to Madrid, aside from Breed, which we'll get to later, that actually did break the mold and went out there and said. Album. This is what Gibraltar Music is actually capable of, and luckily enough, they actually got signed to to a lot of, to a great record deal, I might add, and released three great albums in the process. So as you get older, obviously you do country music, and not many people pretty much do country music in Gibraltar. There is a following when it comes to country music in Gibraltar. I don't think there is enough of it to be honest, because it is a great genre all around. But what was it like to discover country music for you? Um. It's not like I grew up around it because I, my dad always listened to like ACDC yep. and heavier stuff. And then one day, I think I was about nine or ten years old, um, and I started listening to Taylor Swift. And Taylor Swift, when she used to be country, and then from her, um, on the suggested list on YouTube, I started listening to other people like Miranda Lambert. And then from her, I went into Johnny Cash, the older stuff, and then back to more modern things. And then from there, I just I just discovered that that was 
what I like, that was what I wanted to listen to. Uh, do you think maybe Destiny plays a part there, considering what you've actually accomplished with just one whole genre by yourself? Um, well, it's not like country is the only thing I listen to as no, well. Of um, I love everything about it, I guess. But playing music, it would just be. I would love to sing as. I would love to play ACDC, but that would be harder to convince mm-hmm. the guys in the band to play. But country, um, I think that's it for me. Like, that's. It's pretty, pretty much what you guys be known for, I think, in a good way, you know what I mean? But if we look at look no further, I mean, I was speaking to this particular person yesterday who is going to perform at the Grand Royal Opry in, on, in March as well, and that's Simon Lewis. And it's things like that that make me think, you know, what if you were to make it someday? I mean, Simon's already there, you know, he's been signed to BMG Records, which is amazing, and it's great news for Gibraltar. It's great news, and even for people as young as yourself, to get that inspiration, to never give up on your dream, I guess. That's so amazing, seeing him out there in Nashville, especially, and playing at the Grand Opry. That's when you play there, you know you're going somewhere in country yeah. music. That's the best. That's like my dream. That's why I want exactly. To play. So I mentioned it. So it's so cool seeing how someone from Gibraltar can actually get out there and do so much in so little time as well. Because yeah. I know he's been to Nashville a few times, but not for like such long periods. And it's amazing how far he's gotten now and how far he's gonna get eventually. It's all about passion, I guess, mm-hmm. and even work ethic. Hard I mean. Work. I mean, I've always said, and with many other musicians, not just him, but him and his brothers, etc., that if you have the passion, if you're never going to question it, you're always going to go all out to pretty much get out there, in every sense of the word. I know, prime example, using myself here, I never thought I'd be able to do this for a living, for example, on a podcast getting sponsored by Coca-Cola and stuff like that, so I can relate, you know, I'm not a musician myself, but when I look at the stories, like the ones that you tell, and even other musicians like Adrian, even your dad, I've actually spoken about in the past in, in podcasts it's like, wow, you know, it's very humbling to get to know them in that sense, you know, you get to know them as musicians, but when you get to know them as people, it's like, it opens your eyes a little bit more, it's, and it's a great feeling all around. So, moving on from country music, and obviously moving to the fact that when you get maybe to 9 and 10, that you actually do get want to get your first guitar, but the fact that you do want to perform, so what's that process like, and how do you go on about it? Um, well, when I was younger, um, all I wanted to do was be like my dad, so that's what led me to guitar. And then after seeing him playing the keyboard and then the banjo, and then was he stole my banjo? That was my first actually. <laughs> well, you stole his guitar, so yeah, you got paper. Fair enough. <laughs> and the lap steel and seeing everything, it just really made me want to learn more things. Then I started to play piano, but then I didn't like doing the grades. I I'm really like, I know what I want to do, I'm really, you can't change my mind if I want to do yeah. something. Um, I'm quite stubborn in that sense. So then I quit piano lessons, I tried learning alone, and then, to be honest, it all goes back to my dad, because without him I wouldn't be the musician I am now, I wouldn't know yeah. anything. <laughs> and the most important thing is to figure out from your dad, you've got the number one inspiration right there. So. Yeah. In every sense of the word, when it comes to your writing, guitar playing, it's, it's anything, you know. He's introduced you to this world, with, well, not really a world, but when you consider it, the Gibraltar music scene, it is a world of its yeah. own, because it's so, it's, Gibraltar is very small, but like Adrian Bissarello once said to me, if every local musician wants to hold hands, you'd probably fill up half of it, and I completely agree with that. Yeah. And it's, when, when you think about that dynamic of the fact that your, father, your dad does play piano, he does play banjo, he plays guitar, he plays with them, what's he called again? The lap steel. Lap steel, that's it. And he plays all of those instruments. It shows you, like we talked about Simon, the work ethic, and if he's willing to go out there to learn all these new instruments, find a band even to play all these instruments, which he found in, in eventually, 
but it's great to have that dynamic and to show, be shown the fact that you should never give up. Yeah, that, what hard work is the most important thing when it comes to if you really want to make it or try at least, that's the most important thing because you can have all the talent in the world but if you just don't try at all, you're not going to get anywhere off. It's just the hard work. No, I totally agree. So we're going to introduce the first song and I think the first song is one of yours as well. So. You can you can make the, the choice either run or I stop fighting. I think we should start with I stop fighting. Okay, I stop fighting is one of my favorites. It reminds me of very Tim McGraw as well. So yeah. it's it's got very good country influences and they're all combined into nice big cocktails as well. So we'll leave you with the cable of the hands of the Little Rose Band with I stop fighting and we'll be back with more straight after this.
And we're back with part two. That was the Layla Rose band, I Stop Fighting. So, Layla, I actually didn't even ask you because obviously we want to get going with the track. Tell us about that particular song. Um, well, that song is one of my favourite songs of the EP. Well, I can't really say that because they're all my favourite songs. That's why they made it onto the EP. But um, I think that's one of... I could say it's one of my favourites because I play the mandolin in it. So it's different as well to the other songs. And um, I love the ending how it changes, suddenly it changes tempo and it changes, it's just like a nice ballad, a soft yeah. little song, and then just changes all of a sudden. And the live version is even longer, it's different to that. But um, I just love that song because I wrote it when I was about, I think I was 15 and it was like my first boyfriend and it was just all that excitement. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, after that I wrote a breakup song about it as well. So. There's part, so. two. <laughs> part two. See what I mean about the Timagro stuff? <laughs> <laughs> it's very country, that. <laughs> it's a very big country song as well. It actually goes, and like you mentioned, it's a story altogether. Yeah. And you can, we're, we're looking for the Bon Jovi have Tommy and Gene all the time. So, <laughs> and that's still a story that's still going on almost 30 years later. So, look no further. Yeah. But when you look at listen to that particular song, you mentioned the EP right there, which you recorded last year, early the late 2017 to uh, early 2018. But tell us about the recording process. Like, what was it like to you see yourself behind the mic and actually see yourself being managed by a producer such as Danny Fat? Oh, that was really exciting, but it was really nerve-wracking as well. Cause Danny Fat as well, I've always looked up to him because I've always seen him as like um like you know a taxi guitarist and yeah. thinking of him like that. But I think um knowing him as well personally, cause obviously he's my uncle's friend and we'd gone to Spain before with his son and just a family gatherings and things. But um, it was really scary in the sense that I didn't know how I was going to sound recorded because I'd done stuff at home, but obviously his equipment is a lot better than what I'd had. Yeah. And um, as well, being surrounded by the band as well, it was quite nerve-wracking as well because, um, I don't know, I felt like so much pressure on me. I didn't want to yeah. mess up. But then they're, they're cool with everything, obviously. And um, But yeah, it was just really fun experience I would love to do it again we will be soon and the most important thing is it's even when you're not recording and it's well even when you are recording rather and obviously the bands are not doing their part like playing guitars or playing drums obviously it always makes it into one big record but when you actually are singing by yourself with no backing track no nothing obviously that you have that support which is the most important thing and yeah. really encouraging you obviously just doing by hand gestures I'm assuming obviously if they shout obviously that would make it on the record <laughs> which wouldn't be an issue because it would be a great feeling as well but it must be very rewarding once you see yourself finally finishing a track 
which may seem, it's only three minutes long, but it may seem like maybe 15, 15, 25, even 30 minutes, just get it right as well. Yeah, it was definitely, um, it felt a lot longer than what the actual song was. Because um, after recording the song, I think it was a few times, like three or four times, just to get it perfect how I wanted it. And even now, I don't think it's perfect, like how I've sang it and stuff, but I guess I'm never going to find the song perfect. But, um, I wouldn't change anything now, like the structure, I mean. Yeah. Um, my vocals, I always think I could better them, but um, it definitely felt longer than what the song actually is. Exactly. And listening to it the first time after it had all been mixed and stuff, it was just one of the best feelings that I've ever had. And seeing the EP, like the hard copy of the EP, yeah. that was, I cried a lot. Okay, I don't really, I mean, I cried too, so I can't really, I, I'm not really, I just remember, like, like I mentioned, even like off camera, like off camera, off microphone, off air. I mentioned the fact when Nizan sent me the album to review and even listen to it, and it was like, you know, just one the moments I pressed play on my phone, I was like, that's it. You know, it was that feeling that obviously because it was so long, longly awaited, so anticipated as well. And obviously, we go, we'll go to the launch in a bit as well. But it was just such a rewarding feeling to listen to because obviously it's like I always mention it with every musician, but you see the growth, you know, from the moments you started to present day. And it's still going to be there. You're going to think, oh, I just remember the first time I saw him perform club. Oh, I just remember when she sang up GMF. Well, yeah. It's those moments that you remember, you know, and I'm pretty sure it's the same for you. And the best thing about that, the performing at the GMF, which you did in 2016, which was the last GMF, and something great came out of it. And I dare say, like I mentioned, on the night of your launch, when you, you I'm still I know that you guys asked me to do an introduction for you guys. Is the fact that yeah, I dare say he was an angel in disguise. There, I mean, guardian angel, one hundred percent, in every sense of the word. That Tyron was the one that yeah, got this going, and it, I don't think there is a Lady Rose brand without Tyron. And the fact that he was so persistent to make this happen, it was yeah. like his making it his last seed sort of thing as well. Yeah. So tell us, tell us, tell us about that factor, as emotional as it may be, but. Um, well, it's. I remember the first time we went into the rehearsal room after Tyron had passed away. That was like, it, you know, it actually hit you that um, he was gone, but it didn't really feel like he was gone because he was part of the songs as well. He wrote, well, like the bass parts, obviously, and with the structures of the song, he is part of the song. So really, he's in the EP as well. Yeah. He's still involved, obviously, with those songs. And um, so, yeah, I think it was hard, obviously, at first, seeing how even before he had passed away and he was um, really ill, it was really sad going on stage and knowing that he could be here, but he just can't. Yeah. I mean, I remember when we did that event almost two years ago now for cancer, for Alzheimer's. And it was one of the one of the very last gigs I remember seeing Tyron perform. And he was just so persistent. He was always asking, like, when you guys were going to come on? Obviously, there was a lot of issues that night, unfortunately. But even when you guys came on, even straight after, he, he wanted to stick around. He didn't want to miss anyone. Yeah. Unfortunately, due to his illness, he had to miss out on a, on a few... But it's like I mentioned on that particular night when we launched that he was very willing to give back to everyone, you know, he mentioned it to me, like, short break had to cancel, which is shortly before he found out about his illness, and he's like, we, I, we owe you one, and he's like, very, being very hard-headed, you know, it's yeah. like, that was his last will and his last deed to actually make it happen, and once the, everything happened on that gig in particular in March, it was like, no, I think that, I, I finally played a gig with you guys, and we'll probably do the next one. Unfortunately, that never happened, but I'm pretty sure, like you mentioned, 
his legacy when it comes to that alone, whether what happens with the Leila Rose band, it will always be there. Yeah, no question about it. And it's great. And I mentioned it to Victor, and I think I jinxed him a little bit, and I shouldn't have, but I told him if Victor's bass stops working, you know why. Yeah. <laughs> so, but either way, it's it was great feeling, and I did feel I feel, feel like he was there all yeah, around. You know, the spirit was definitely. Yeah. And I think there is no better feeling than to have someone like Taryn to have actually gotten this going. Was I think, like I said, it was a deed of of his to actually make this happen, and the EP is a product of that. Even the band is a product of that. So thank you, Taryn, wherever you are. So we're going to play one track to compose ourselves after that, and unfortunately, emotional talk. But um, we're going to play Run. Yeah, that was and, one of his favorites, actually. Yeah, and it's pretty much my favorite before I listen to all the others. I remember this is the first one I actually heard on the soundtrack, even before there was a Lena Roseland. As well, and we actually played it a lot on the show, probably when we had this only strictly local show where we just played the music. But it was one of the favorites on our playlist, so we'll leave it at that. So this is Run, but the Lena Roseland will be coming back on part three with more local music. And of course, getting to know Layla's adventures along the way as well. So here is Run, and I hope you enjoy it.
there's nothing like a Coke to help you get your fizz back. That's the Coca-Cola effect. And we're back with part three, and that was run by the Little Road Band. I hope you enjoyed it. The album is available on Spotify, it's on iTunes, it's on every Everywhere. major platform, pretty much. Everywhere, as in even come by physical copies of yeah. the band as well. So if you are interested in picking up a copy, all proceeds go to cancer research as well. So no better feeling than to buying a record, and all proceeds go to charity as well. So later we talked about the demand about recording an album, which is a very difficult and long process, unfortunately. But fortunately, when you see the final product, but obviously there's other influences that have come along the way. We mentioned your dad before, but obviously this particular project of your dad's, and not, not just your dad's, of the entire band, like Adrian and Nick, and Jason, of course, and Francis, but uh, the undesirables are like, what everyone will always be in awe about Adrian for, considering it's not even his style. Yeah. So tell us about that when you found out for the first time. Um, when my dad told me, he, he came home and he's like, guess what? I'm like, I'm starting a rockabilly band. I was so happy because it's something so different that we needed here. And I, obviously I love rockabilly. And one of my favorite things that they did was change um, a song from Greece into rockabilly. Yes. <laughs> I can't remember which one it You're was. The one that yeah, that one. And, um, and yeah, and seeing them play Johnny Cash, um, songs by Greece and the originals, obviously my favorite of the originals, but um, it was just so cool how it was a rockabilly band. <coughs> seeing them dress up as cowboys, that was, that was a bit embarrassing. Seeing my dad on stage dressed up as cowboys. But he pulls it off. But yeah, tell me what about John Nelson? I'm to it. <laughs> <laughs> but the best thing about that is the fact that the fact Adrian is not into rock in that style. He's more into punk. He's very old school when it comes to music. Even your dad is at the same time. But it's like you said, it was so different, so new, so fresh. And they made it work, and when they recorded all these tracks that we listen to, the one that we're going to play now, as, as well as many else, like Man Teaser, which is yeah. like my all-time favorite song, because I just love the intro to that song. And obviously there's many others, you know, it's, it's the most random lyrics, the most random names of songs, but they actually pulled it off. Yeah. And I think, I dare say, and you said about embarrassing, I think the one that they did for the GBC Open Day, oh. like, that's the most embarrassing one. But it's a great track as well. Yeah, I remember my friend asked me, um, she's like, oh, was your dad on GBC Open Day? I was like, no, no, he wasn't. And my other friend was like, yeah, but I saw him. I'm like, no, he wasn't. <laughs> Some other guy that looks like just like him. I think if that was your uncle, he would probably pulled it off. But I think your dad would have been there. But it was actually a great video as well, all around, you know. Yeah, it it's was funny. It's a funny video. It, it goes with the theme, you know, that's what the Open Day is about, you know. So, not all of it is funny, obviously, some things that obviously it's like you did, um, uh, Fond of Blondes, what's going on, obviously, and stuff like that, but it's stuff like that that pretty much make the open day what it is. It's all about fun, and you get to see local musicians, local celebrities, even in a different light as well, so it's great all around. So, apart from seeing that process of seeing how the undesirables evolve into this, what would you say is next for the Undesirables? Would you like to see it continue? Would you like to see them release an EP? Or? I would really love to see them carrying on. Right now, I know they're not um, they're not currently rehearsing and stuff because they have um, they did Boys in the Black stuff um, and now they're doing I think it's Adrian Bissanen on Navaka, yeah. which is uh, they go from different completely different styles and doing completely different things all the time. But um, I have to say the Undesirables is my favorite one of their bands. So I'd love for them to carry on and do more gigs and release an EP or an album. Yeah, I mean, I always loved DC stuff, and that was me when I was growing up. 
But obviously then when it moved into the undesirables, like mental poison block stuff, the last dial, which will get you like a little bit before introduce the song. Like when they performed in London, and obviously you performed in London as well, like at uh, London's Books of Friends Music Festival, it was the response, the adventure. Yeah. Obviously it was for them it was something new as well, but obviously because they're older they expect it to be something new. But what was it like for you to have that experience? Um, that was probably one of my favourite gigs I've ever played. It was the first time obviously playing in the UK and um, I'd played in Spain before a couple of times but um, it was just really different playing there because well, different, but the same as playing. It felt like I was in Rock on the Rock, but it had just been moved to yeah, Camden because yeah. there were so many people from Jib there as well. But it was also good speaking to um, people from there from London because um, it felt strange but cool, obviously, for people coming up to me saying, oh, that was really good, I really liked your set, and I didn't know who they were at yeah. all. So I think that was really cool as well. And... Um, I would, I would really do it again. That was one of my favourite gigs of all time. And even the weekend as a whole yeah. was just really fun, obviously. And staying in the hotel room with Adrian Pisarello, or in the hotel, I mean, with Adrian Pisarello and all the whole band, it was just chaos, so funny. You can never go wrong. It was you know, just so much fun. And the most important thing about that is, is like, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, was the fact that even the ones that went to see you just breathe, because obviously that's what people pretty much wanted to see, they actually stuck around for every band and every yeah. artist on the, on the day. You know, they didn't want to miss anyone, and even out of that, so you got one of your tracks played in a UK radio station yeah, as well, so... a few times. So it's great, like, what, what, that's pretty much what the event is all about, it's to transport local music to pretty much the world, is the right term to use, because it is, you never know who's listening, yeah. really. You can't just really de- confine it to just one place. So we're going to play The Undesirables, and this is crap on the radio. And what is it about the song that amazes you? Um, well, the title, first of all, I can relate to so much because, well, in the chorus it says, nobody likes the crap that I hate on the radio. I mean, everybody likes the crap that I hate on the radio. And I can relate to it because I just hate, um, like, stuff like reggaeton. I love all music except for reggaeton. Amen. And, <laughs> and house music. I can deal with some pop, but... Nah, I really can't. <laughs> I mean, just give me a guitar, give me heavy drums, and that's another yeah. thing. So I'm exactly the same, I can relate to it. I can even relate to the song, I can yeah. actually relate to what he was, what Adrian is talking about. So we're going to play Crap on the radio, and it's a great track, and if you've never heard this, you're in for a treat, but again, if you've never heard the undesirables, I don't know what you've missed. I don't know, like Leila rightfully mentioned, we really do hope they do come back very soon, and even release an EP, because they were recording some stuff. So eventually that will actually happen very soon. So this is The Undesirables with Crap on the Radio. Hope you enjoy it. Song. 
and hurt as well. So it it shows you that the same thing we talked about Simon that you should never give up. You know, and you should, if you actually work hard, you'll end up in these places and God knows where things like breed ended up as well that we don't even know of. About breed and even other influences, well, obviously we can't play all, every single track of mm-hmm. the people that we enjoy on the show, but who else do you enjoy? Um, well, I love Christian Celestia's music. Yeah. Um, as well, he's a good friend of mine, so have to be a bit biased anyway. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I love his music, all of his songs. Um, I actually haven't heard any new stuff apart from in the singer songwriting competition, I heard um, a new one. But um, it's been a while since he sent me new stuff, and I'm going to chase him off on that. I'm going to make him send me new songs. But, well, um, we need to make him record an EP. Yeah, I think. Same record. thing we're going to force the Undesirables. I think we, this podcast is all about missions, and that one we already got a mission. Try and get the Undesirables to get back together, get Christian to record an EP, you know, among other things. But we'll get to that. <laughs> um, I also love Gabby Richardson. I love her um, her style. Um, how she's changed so much since she's since she's gone to uni. Yeah. Um, I love her jazzy style as well, and um, that as well. You can tell that um, since she's left. Her songwriting and her um, vocals as well, they've changed so much, obviously yeah. in a good way. And it's it just shows as well how hard work pays off. I mean, her Sonic Blue stuff is out yeah, of this world so completely. Cool. I really want to see them live one day. I, hopefully, if I can go over to UK. I would mean, love to bring them over here. I, I mean, that was uh, when we did, well, when Jesse came up with the idea of having the future of local music events, that was the whole idea. We were actually going to have Sonic Blue to headline the night, but unfortunately that didn't happen. We got Gabby anyway, but it doesn't really matter. We actually got to see her, her evolution, like you mentioned. And I did realise that when I saw her perform that in July, I was like, wow, she's changed, yeah. you know, and she's more raw, she sounds more vibrant. Not that she never did, but now she sounds like on a yeah. completely whole other level. We talked about the singer-songwriter at the beginning of the show. We're going to get to it now before we play um, Breed. But what was it like to get win second prize? When you look at look at the caliber of accent the night as well. Honestly, I didn't expect that at all. It was the one year that, like, the first time I went in, I'm like, okay, maybe I have a chance of coming like third. And then last year I was like, yeah, not a chance. And then this year I was like, yep, not a chance either. And then actually coming second, I was a bit shocked because I really didn't expect it. And I I knew that Christian was gonna win. Well, I was hoping that Christian was gonna win. Yeah. And um, but I don't know. I I really liked everyone on the night. There's not. I can't yeah. say that I liked, obviously, Christian, because he's my friend as well, so I kind of have to say yeah. that. But um, there's not someone that I would say, oh, um, he could have done so much better, or she could have done so much better, because yeah. I think everyone gave it that all that night. I do, uh, I agree with you 100%. And it was people that are new to the music scene as well, which I liked as well. Yeah, I mean, Emma's, yeah. I think, has got a bright future ahead of her. I mean, Julia's back as well. She's She was part of the music scene, now she's back a part of it again. And even her songwriting is in the right place, you know, like everything... Like you mentioned, the caliber of acts in general, you know, Alessandro really impressed yeah. the hand on me as well. And Patrick always ceases to amaze me, like in every sense of the word. He's had a great 2018 as well. And But it's like all, not all the others, you know, Jesse, like you even see the evolution with Jesse, you know, like considering yeah. where he was a year ago to where he is now, hosting his first event this Friday as well. So it's the second event of his first like uh, Rock Against Addiction and stuff like that that is what shows you his passion yeah. to willing to give back and obviously give back to the music scene just get out there himself you know because you never know what's going to happen in the future but it's just great as to how much that evolution of the local music scene has become you know where everyone's willing to help one another willing to support one another and I think there is no better feeling than that and unfortunately and unfortunately at the same time 
I still feel there's more room, more, more room yeah. for improvements. I still feel that more has to be done to support local music, but I'll leave those opinions to myself as as you will as well, because obviously we don't want to get crucified whether mm-hmm. it's the right term to use. But I think we're just going to end it, this particular chapter with playing one of the biggest bands still leave Gibraltar, one of the best bands and best musicians that you'll ever meet from the Gibraltar music scene as well. So we'll play you the incredible The River from Breed 77, and we'll be back with the final part straight after this. And we're back with the fifth and final part, and that was on the great Breed 77 with The River. Hope you enjoyed it, if you've never listened to it before. If you've listened to it before, then you're probably just mouthing the words as you listen to the song as well. So no better feeling than that. So Leila, unfortunately, like I mentioned, we're in the final part of the show, and obviously we're going to talk to you a little bit more about the ones that are currently around, obviously, this particular band. I just say had a great 2018. I had a bit of a resurgence in 2018, because unfortunately, obviously, the bassist and the drummer, not the drummer, the bassist and the guitarist left, and they've had to find a new bassist and guitarist, and now it seems that they're on the right track. So we're talking about Crimson Clover, and Crimson Clover were also part of the London Towards Friends Music Festival. But what is it like to even befriend them and actually get to know them even more and even pretty much support you in everything that you do? Um, I think it's really cool because they're one of my favourite local bands because um, I just love the way how they play what they like. They don't change their style to yep. please people. That's something I love. And it's not music that I would listen to when I go home, like the covers they play. I wouldn't really go home and listen to those covers. But there's something about them that just makes me enjoy that music. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, they're just such nice people that even if you don't like the music, you have to like them. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're just all around nice guys, you know, like yeah, you said, yeah. they're willing to support one another. They're like every single thing that we've pretty, pretty much done, GLMS-wise, they've actually been there to promote, to support, even perform as well. So we couldn't be more grateful to them in that sense. You know, there's so, so many things they can do and so many things they're actually going to do eventually, I reckon. But it's those things that pretty much keep the local music scene as vibrant as it is and as vibrant as it can be, as I said at the moment, because unfortunately things are still very limited when it comes to local music, but we'll get to that in another So maybe we can invite a controversial guest and we'll let him ramble about it. <laughs> <laughs> but we won't say gold so much, we're just happy to promote local music to the very best of our abilities. So we're going to finish off very shortly, and obviously we're going to finish with a very easy question. What do you expect for, you, for yourself in the next few years? Enough. What do you see for yourself in well, hopefully, um, if I do well in my A-levels, hopefully I'll be studying in Middle Tennessee State University. Um, or if not, I have a few other options now. But hopefully I'll be um, studying broadcasting and journalism. Which she, she's going to take over my job. <laughs> and then while studying that, um, ideally the university I want to go to is um, 45 minutes away from Nashville. So I'd be in and out of Nashville all the time. Ideally, I'd maybe form a band and try make it. Um, even though, like, school-wise, I don't want to do music at all. But um, with journalism and broadcasting, I'd love to be involved in music, even oh, yeah. if that's um, a backup from being an actual musician. Um, thank you. <laughs> and, but yeah, hopefully... I'm inspired. I'm <laughs> Hopefully I can get out there and I'll give it my all... And who knows, maybe I'll make it, or maybe I don't, but at least I want to know I've tried. And you can never go wrong unless you've tried, and I think there is no better wording than that. So, Leila, thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks it's been a pleasure to talk to you for this hour. And more importantly than anything else, five great tracks on the door. So, yeah. I'm pretty sure the ones 
that I've actually heard those tracks before. I'm even pleased to hear them. Even for me, it's always a blast to hear them again. So there is no better feeling than playing local music on every on a weekly basis on the show. So guys, we'll be back in 14 days. Obviously, now the podcast changed. It's all bi-weekly now. Obviously, it's a, a lot of things have happened. Obviously, things in my personal life, even things with GLMS, take a lot of priority. And we can't really have an episode every week. It gives us more time to prepare, and for, obviously for our next guest, who we'll be revealing in the next few days. And I'm pretty sure you guys will be very surprised as to how our next guest will be, considering how, like, how much he's been around the local music scene and even the five tracks he's chosen as well. So guys, support local talents more than anything else, because when you do, you're keeping local music alive. I'll leave you with Keep It Real, Keeping It Real by Crimson Clover. Hope you enjoy it, and catch you soon.